Please stand for the reading of the Gospel. We read from Mark's Gospel, chapter 4, beginning at verse 35. On that day when evening came, Jesus said to them, Let's go over to the other side. After leaving the crowd behind, the disciples took him along in the boat, just as he was. Other small boats also followed him. A great windstorm arose, and the waves were splashing into the boat, so that the boat was quickly filling up. Jesus himself was in the stern, sleeping on a cushion. They woke him and said, Teacher, don't you care that we are about to drown? Then he got up, rebuked the wind, and said to the sea, Peace, be still. The wind stopped, and there was a great calm. He said to them, Why are you so afraid? Do you still lack faith? They were filled with awe and said to one another, Who then is this? Even the wind and the sea obey him. This is the gospel of our Lord, we pray. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Please be seated. Fellow redeemed friends in Christ Jesus, the one whom even the wind and the waves obey. There are several rather curious and even mysterious details in this text, aren't there? Even though we know it well, there are some strange some strange items in here. What does it mean that they took Jesus just as he was? I don't really have a good answer for that. What happened to all the other small boats that were following along the boat that Jesus and his disciples were in in the middle of this storm? We don't hear anything about them. What about this? Why does Jesus speak to the wind and the waves, the forces of nature, using the same language that he used earlier in the Gospel of Mark to cast out a demon? Why does he refer to them as personal forces? Is there something demonic going on here with this storm? I think of all the the curious and and fairly odd details in this text, the strangest has to be the fact that Jesus was sleeping. Jesus is God. Does God sleep? Maybe it's not as amazing or curious as it is kind of unnerving and terrifying. Because we we do know that false gods sleep, right? Vishnu, one of the gods of Hinduism, there's a, there's a famous statue of him called the Sleeping God. They, they believe that at times their gods sleep. Or think of that confrontation between Elijah and the prophets of Baal on Mount Carmel. How Elijah ridiculed and mocked Baal. He, he cried out to the, the prophets of Baal. He said, shout louder, he is a god, isn't he? He may be in deep thought or busy or on a journey. Perhaps he's asleep will wake up. False gods sleep. True God? No. Psalm 121 tells us, He who watches over you will not slumber. Yes, he who watches over Israel will not slumber. He will not sleep. So what's going on here? If Jesus is God, what gives with him sleeping in the bottom of a boat in the middle of a storm? Well, can you think of any other Bible stories that involve a boat and a storm and someone sleeping in the bottom of the boat? Oh, there's a fish in this one too. Jonah, right? Jonah. And Jonah was no Jesus. Of course, Jonah was trying to run the opposite way, away from God's call to go to Nineveh and call them to repentance. But in a similar fashion, Jonah, in the middle of the storm, was asleep in the bottom of the boat. And in a similar fashion, like Jesus' disciples, the the unbelieving captain of that boat came to Jonah and said, 
how in the world are you sleeping peacefully in the bottom of the boat? You get up, you call on your God, and, and maybe he will care enough to save us. You see that connection there? Between the, what the pagan captain said and what Jesus' disciples said? It's all about caring. Does God care about us? Isn't that the root issue here? That was the accusation of the disciples. Don't you care? In fact, if you read the Greek, they're expecting a yes answer. They're assuming that yes, Jesus does care, but, but that's a question that confuses us sometimes too. When God doesn't behave the way we think he should and we, we can begin to believe that he doesn't care about us. Has God ever fallen asleep on you? Have you ever felt that way, that with the way things are going in your life, God must not really care about you anymore? Now, if you try to say you've never felt that way, you've got to be the only Christian throughout all of human history to never feel that God has fallen asleep or turned his back on you. We've all experienced those days when the, the trials, the challenges of life get to be too big the wind and the waves rise higher and higher around us. And of course we pray. Of course we ask the Lord for His help. But, but then they just keep growing bigger and bigger and it doesn't seem like there are any answers. And we, no matter how much we beg and plead and pray, it seems like God is ignoring us and we teeter on the brink of despair. And we wonder where God is. Is He sleeping? And if he's sleeping, does he even care about us? So there seem to be two contradictory thoughts here, right? In the Old Testament, we're told God doesn't sleep. The one true God doesn't sleep. And yet, we see here in black and white, Jesus was sleeping. Does God sleep? Well, yes. In the man, Jesus Christ, God sleeps. But instead of being terrifying or unnerving. This is tremendously comforting that Jesus sleeps. You know what it tells us about Him? How completely human He is. You know what it's like to be exhausted ever after a long day, right? Or a long week, or a long life. You're just tired of life in this world. Jesus knows what that's like too. He knows what it's like to spend your days chasing after your children. He knows what it's like to work at a job where you can never seem to advance. You can never seem to get everything done. He knows what it's like to nod off at the wheel, to be trying to read your devotion or brush your teeth and you just can't keep your eyes open. He knows what it's like for those of you who, who have adult children and you lay awake at night worrying about them. He knows what it's like for those of you who may some nights think, this might be the night that I don't wake up in this world. In my bed I wake up in my home in heaven. Jesus knows exactly what it's like to be absolutely wiped out, absolutely exhausted. He knows that life in this world is exhausting. Why is it that way? Why is life so exhausting? I suppose we could come up with any number of reasons. It's interesting how many billions of dollars are spent every year on, on the issue of sleep, right? We need, we need a jolt of caffeine in the morning to wake ourselves up. Uh, and then we need to take a, a prescription medication at night to go to sleep. Some of you have probably gone to sleep studies to figure out why you can't sleep. We need to put masks on our faces to keep our lungs and throats open so we can't. All of this money 
dealing with sleep. Why, is, why do we need sleep? Why are we so exhausted at the end of the day, at the, at the end of the week? Uh, it's not just work. It's not just the way that our bodies are built. It's a result of sin. Every challenge, every trial that we face in this life is, is in the end rooted in sin. And, and it's, it's rooted in sin by virtue of the fact that we live every day under the holy demands of God and His law and every single day we fail to keep them and it's exhausting. Now, of course, Jesus didn't fail to keep any of God's holy commands. He kept them perfectly. That was his job, part of his job here on this earth. But he was also carrying something else. He was carrying our sins. He was carrying our failures. He was carrying our exhaustion. Is it any wonder that Jesus was wiped out at the end of the day? He had a really long day. If you read Mark 3 and 4, he was, he was teaching from morning till night. He didn't even have time to eat a meal. It's no wonder that he collapsed in the bottom of that boat. And it tells us something else about Jesus, how, how real his experience in this world was. We, we do Jesus a real disservice if we believe that it was easy for him to live in this world, to live in this fallen world. If, if we picture Jesus as Superman with all the temptations and sorrows and, and exhaustion that we face just bouncing off his chest, he's just coasting through life, we're getting the wrong picture of Jesus. He was true God. But during his humiliation, during his time on earth, he gave up the full and constant use of his power and his strength as God. Don't picture Jesus like an invincible Superman. Picture him like Superman around the kryptonite where he's vulnerable. He's weak. He's human. He's just like us. He's just like us and that's incredibly comforting. He knows how exhausting it is to live under the law. He knows how exhausting it is to deal with the challenges and the trials in this world. He knows what it's like to be worn out and tired. But if we do have the wrong understanding of, of, of what it took for Jesus to live a perfect life for us in this world, that has a real life consequences in our lives too, doesn't it? Why, why do we think of God's good and holy law as, as kind of a yoke around our necks? As, as something that's extremely difficult, as something that is exhausting to try to do. Because God gave us His law for our good. He gave it to protect the good gifts that He has given us. Why do we think, for example, why do we think that trusting God is a burden? Or, or, or gladly hearing and learning His Word? Or, or respecting our government? Or, or being faithful in our marriages? Or keeping our tongues on a leash? Or being content with what we have? Why do we treat those as such burdens when they are given for our good? Is it possibly because we sometimes doubt whether Jesus actually obeyed the law perfectly for us? Whether it's completely fulfilled, completely kept, and, and we don't have to keep any of it to be saved? Or do we have this haunting feeling that, that maybe Jesus did most of what needed to be done, but we'd still better be good little Christian boys and girls if we actually want to go to heaven? Jesus sleeping in the, the bottom of the boat dashes those lies. It reminds us that he kept God's law perfectly. You know how Luther reminds us in the evening prayer, every single night we need to pray for forgiveness. 
Every single night we go to bed, there's a, a list of things longer that we haven't got done than, than what we've gotten done. But for Jesus, every single night, including this one, he could present his perfect life to God the judge and, and present it for examination, and God the Father had to say, this is what I've been waiting for. This is the perfect life. This is a life that has fulfilled and obeyed my commandments perfectly, and he did that for you. And our only response to that needs to be, Amen. Thank you. Lord Jesus. But this proves more than the fact that Jesus kept all of the law in general for us. It also proves that he kept the most important law perfectly for us. The first commandment. The commandment which says, you shall have no other gods, and which Luther explains means we should fear, love, and trust in God above all things. And it sounds so easy. Let's just pick on one of those. Fear. Through Isaiah and elsewhere in Scripture, the Lord tells us you're not supposed to be afraid of the things that the unbelieving world out there is afraid of. You are to fear nothing more than the one true God. You're not supposed to be afraid that a virus will take your life. You're not supposed to be afraid of other people that they may be contagious and end up killing you. You're not supposed to be afraid that runaway inflation will destroy your savings or wreck your retirement. You're not supposed to be afraid that if you don't have the perfect diet and exercise routine dialed in, you're going to die a premature death. You're not supposed to be afraid that if you're not completely, perfectly vigilant concerning your own life and the lives of the people you're responsible for, that something horrible is going to happen to them. You're not supposed to be afraid of anything or anyone more than God, the one who can destroy both body and soul in hell. And yet we are. And that proves that we're not perfect. But Jesus was. And him sleeping in that boat demonstrates that that he feared, loved, and trusted in God above all things, that he didn't have any other gods. He feared God more than he feared that storm on the sea around him. He loved God and God's will so much that he didn't mind if it involved death for him. He trusted God more than he trusted the experience of his, his experienced fishermen disciples or the sturdiness of the boat. Jesus demonstrated perfect obedience to the first commandment, and that's why he could sleep peacefully in the bottom of the boat. That's what perfect fear, love, and trust in God will bring to you. Peaceful rest. Knowing that everything is in God's hand. So what's the point of this little story? Then? I suppose you could say that the, the point of this story is that when you're facing a storm in your life, just call on Jesus and He has the power to fix it just like that. Of course, if you've tried that, you know that's not how it works, right? That oftentimes you pray for days, weeks, months on end, and God doesn't seem to be answering you. You could say, well, if that's what perfect obedience looks like, then, then we should just be like Jesus, peacefully sleeping in the boat, perfectly trusting that God has everything under control. I dare you, go ahead and try it. Just try it today, this 4th of July. Try trusting. Try not being afraid about your health, 
your wealth, your family, the future, our nation, whatever. Try it. I know you're going to fail. See, the, the story really isn't about Jesus' almighty power. It does prove it. It does show it. He does calm the sea with just a word. But it's not really about that. God has always had control over the wind and the waves as he told Job in our Old Testament lesson. So what is this story really about? It's about the Lord's compassion for us. That he's always there even when we don't notice it. Even when it doesn't feel like it. Isn't that what Jesus is drawing his disciples' attention to when he asks the questions? Why are you so afraid? Do you still lack faith? Isn't that a good question? He had already calmed the wind and the waves. Why were they still afraid? What didn't they believe? What was wrong about their faith? Well, I think just like we so often, happen so often to us, they finally came to this realization again, oh man, this is God standing right here. If he can control the wind and the waves, what else should he do to us? They realized that, that their lack of faith, their lack of fear, their lack of obedience to the first commandment had earned them God's wrath. Wrath from Jesus. That they fully deserved to be swamped in that boat for their lack of obedience, their lack of faith. And Jesus is saying, you still don't get it, do you? God didn't send me into this world to bring judgment on this world. God sent me into this world to save sinners like you. God didn't send me into this world to make you afraid of Him, but to prove His love for you. Even when I'm sleeping in the boat, I'm with you. Isn't that the biggest thing? Jesus was there. He was always there. Nothing had changed with His love or His concern. That's important for you to keep in mind too when you think, He's abandoned me. He's sleeping. He doesn't care. Well, really, God didn't send His Son to be born in a stable, to be raised by a carpenter, to live as a wandering rabbi, to be mocked and ridiculed and persecuted finally, to march into Jerusalem, to be whipped and suffer and die for people He doesn't care about, for people He hates, for people He would rather take a nap and ignore. Do you ever doubt that God is sleeping on you, that He doesn't care for you? Look at Jesus in that boat. Or better yet, look at His arms outstretched on that cross. How dare we ever accuse God of not caring about us when He sent His most precious possession to die for us. That's where you see just how much God cares. There are a lot of curious details in this text, some of which I don't really have all the answers to, some of which we may not know the explanation to until we're in heaven. But I think the most, most curious detail is still the fact that Jesus is sleeping. It's law. There's no doubt. This is law. This is what it looks like to have perfect fear and love and trust in God. But better than that, it's gospel. Because Jesus did that for you. He obeyed and trusted God perfectly for you. And He proves that He is with you always to the very end of the age. Now that doesn't mean that you're not going to face storms in your life and the wind and the waves of problems and challenges. But it does mean that just like Jesus did with His disciples, just like the Lord did with Paul, He's leading you safely through the storms of this life to the safe harbor of heaven. And 
When you believe that, you can sleep peacefully just like Jesus tonight. Amen.